You're listening to Agile Next, the next generation Agile talk show. I'm Daniel Gulo. And I'm Stephen Forte. Each week, we ask industry leaders to share their past experiences with Agile practices and to provide their insights into where Agile's heading to next. The show is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and by visiting our website at www.agilenext.tv. This episode is brought to you by Applebrook Consulting and Fresco Capital. Whatever your Agile needs, Applebrook Consulting can help with training and coaching. Visit our website at www.apple-brook.com. Fresco Capital is a global venture capital firm focusing on entrepreneurs building global businesses. Visit our website at fresco.vc. Episode 12, September 1st, 2016. Today, we're speaking with Bill Joyner. Bill is the founder and CEO of ChangeWise, a management consulting firm headquartered in Concord, Massachusetts. He's also the co-author of an award-winning book called Leadership Agility, as well as numerous articles on the same topic. Bill has over 35 years of experience with organizational change, including coaching executives in a wide variety of industries and for many high-profile clients. He co-designed the Leadership Agility 360 certification program with Cambria Consultants and conducts regular certification workshops through ChangeWise. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here, guys. So your work on leadership agility and organizational change management began over 35 years ago, well before the Agile movement was formally conceived. And while IT was still fairly a young industry, can you share with us some of the impetus that inspired you to pursue this field of research? Yeah, yeah. Well, it does go back a ways, um, actually to the early 70s. And uh, when I was when I was in college, uh, late sixties, early seventies, um, I went through a lot of uh, personal growth experience um, in various ways, and um, also had a chance to just, you know, because I was in college, I had a chance to not not be thinking too much about my professional where I was going professionally, but just follow my interests, which were sort of fell into the different social science disciplines and. Uh, even philosophy. So I was, there's a lot of personal exploration going on. And my senior year, I discovered a course by a man named Bill Torbert. This was actually in Southern Methodist University in, in Dallas, Texas. And he had been at uh, getting his doctorate at Yale with uh, Chris Argerus, who was one of the really founding fathers of the field of organization development. And so Bill was my introduction to to that field, to leadership development, um, and um, I, I sort of begin to see for the first time. He was also my first introduction to the idea of stages of personal development, uh, which was really really new at that time, very unknown, and it was kind of a remarkable person to be. Um, introducing me to the field because he was such an innovator. Um, he was sort of had had sort of subsumed the field and then was going on beyond it. So I was like exposed to a lot of interesting material, and I got really, really interested in in uh, you know getting professionally trained 
to do work in OD and leadership development, but also to really um, explore this idea of stages of personal development. So uh, I went on to get an MBA that was, um, uh, you know, focused on organizational behavior and then really want, wanting to do, uh, wanting to have really practical skills. And also with Bill Torbert having moved to Boston to teach at Harvard uh, at the School of Education. And he kept saying, Bill, you really ought to come up here. There's so many interesting people and whatever. So I, in 76, I went up there to, or here, I should say, to do my, um, my doctorate. And I primarily focused on leadership and organization development because there was so much uh, practical stuff to learn and was fortunate in having some great people supervising my work. But I was also, I kept following up on the stage development uh, dimension. Uh, Bob Keegan's book had come out by then. Jane Levenger's ego development uh, book had come out just, just the year that I that I went into the doctoral program. So even though I didn't formally study uh, the, the stages of development, oh, I, I guess I took one course there in that topic. I was constantly following along on that and following Ken Wilber's work and sort of picking and choosing the things that I learned in OD and leadership development with the kind of perspective of what, what, what things can I do to help people and organizations develop into new stages of development? You had all, you had all this theory in university 40 years ago, and then you jump into the workforce and you start, the rubber hits the road. Can you tell, cause that's some old school theory, but yet you came to a lot of the same conclusions that, you know, we all came to more recently. So can you maybe draw a little bit about how, the theory, you know, related to the practice when you're into the um, when you're into industry. Sure, and yeah, to me, um, you know, as I have attended different agile events and was invited to be part of a an agile think tank um, that the Agile Alliance did, uh, it did sort of strike me that it was like IT discovering OD uh, because there was so much um, so much overlap. Um, it was very cool. So let's see. So, you know, my, my early experiences uh, applying what I'd learned focused initially on what I would call advanced interpersonal skills and that I learned from uh, Chris Argerus and some of his uh, associates. And for example, we uh, was working with a partner and um, as I was Really, was this was overlapping, finishing my doctorate and, and uh, going beyond it. A project that started out as just a couple of months, but ended up being almost three years. Um, working with the software company to, well, I mean, their presenting problem was we had two very successful initial offerings. And we've been bought by this company that doesn't really understand us. And we're now having a lot of trouble getting our products out the door. And at that time, they didn't have Agile <laughs> to uh, 
to provide all the structure, you know, the kind of structural process things that Agile could could provide. But I think regardless of whether they had it or not, they would have had some difficulties because they had some real uh, communication issues up and down the hierarchy uh, with if there were problems, they would always get delayed in their communication going up. And the top management team was not collaborating effectively at all. Uh, in fact, the um, it was basically a systems uh, development organization, which was the biggest part of it. And then there were these people who essentially sold and installed this. It was happened to be financial software um, in the client companies. And uh, one of the things we learned early on was that uh, through interviews and um, with with the top team was that there was a conspiracy going on where the, the business marketing people were trying to get the systems guy fired because they felt he was um, not well enough attuned to their interests. So there was a lot of stuff going on under the surface there. Um, I guess long story short, we took them gradually through a series of what I call pivotal conversations workshops. And, um, and that team began to develop trust and began to learn much more collaborative ways of interacting with each other and with the teams that they led. And as we kept doing that and, and, ex and exposed additional people in the organization to this and reinforced it by facilitating really key um, business discussions that they were having so that we were helping them to apply what they learned in the workshop. We, we provided coaching. Um, they really transformed the organization uh, from one that was failing to one that was uh, incredibly successful. Um, where they were getting their products out on time, where the quality of the products went up, where morale went up, which was a big issue there. They were having a lot of people leave initially. Um, so we had some really, you know, we, we had, it wasn't going strictly from theory to practice because I had, even before I went to Harvard, I was leading uh, groups of people and teaching some interpersonal skills. And we had various uh, kind of practice projects, I guess I would think of them as looking back. But this was the first time of really getting in the middle of um, the way a company functioned and helping them to um, to transform the way they they work together. And uh, it was a great experience. And, um, you know, from there, as I went into other projects, I, you know, even there was learning more about um, – team building and not just interpersonal skills and more. And, and as I went forward, you know, visioning and mission statements and culture change and, and things like that. So, um, that was all, I, you know, plus, plus I, then I started doing process redesign work and, uh, strategy facilitated, uh, creative str strategic thinking. So applying some of the so-called soft skills to, more uh hard business problems and processes um so that was that sort of leads up to the time it was around 2000 that i met steve and josephs who became my co-author for leadership agility and 
which I believe wasn't that isn't that two thousand about the year of the um, Agile Manifesto? Yeah, two thousand one. Two thousand one, yeah. So even, but I didn't discover Agile until uh, the book was essentially being published. But there was a kind of interesting, looking back, you know, interesting parallelism between the, you know, there was. It, it took it took a good while to do all the research for the book, much longer than I had anticipated. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, so there was a kind of a parallel movement before um, this came together with Agile. So what you've been talking about in terms of, you know, organizational development and, and change management resonates with me because a lot of times organizations, they bring me in as a coach and all they really want me to do is implement scrum practices. And they think that's kind of like a big fat band aid that's going to help them go faster and all those kinds of things. But it's, it's really more about a holistic approach to, to helping organizations to become more successful. Speaking of your book, in in your book, Leadership Agility, there's you talk about four competencies and five different levels of mastery when it when it comes to uh, gaining more maturity as a as a leader. Could you could you share with us some of that insight that you have in your book? Let's see where to start. Well, well, an interesting thing. Um, how to go at this? Well, well, part of the uh, there were a couple of really core questions uh, behind uh, doing the research for the book, and one of them was uh, because of this uh, my interest in this field of stage development, and uh, Stephen Joseph had just recently become interested in it as well. Um, I wanted to just kind of pull together what was known about the connection between stage development and leadership. Because uh, Bill Torbert, in particular, had um, published some articles and some books that showed through, particularly through some doctoral study uh, dissertations that he had supervised, um, every time somebody would take a topic, you know, like delegation or decision making or something, and and look at uh, measure people's stage of personal development, which you can do in this uh, framework called ego development, and then looked at their effectiveness in that aspect of leadership, there was always a statistically significant correlation between the more the person was developed, the more effective they were as a leader. So that that had been sort of established, but sort of in a scattershot way. And so what we set out to do was to examine this question more systematically. So we broke it down into three practice areas. Um, One is leading change, which you just mentioned. Uh, The other is leading teams. And the other one is uh, pivotal conversations. And so what we found was that when you break it down like that and you get more specific about the the uh, the action context that leaders are operating in, the research was was even more sketchy than I had thought. So we had we had quite a lot to do. So it was it was really a combination of taking a lot of um, cons- doing doing a lot of conceptual synthesis uh, between different stage development uh, frameworks, and then delving into a huge amount of empirical research that was you know. Um, sort of a wide variety of sources uh, all the way from, 
you know, past clients to in-depth interviews to journals that people had taken or documentation of difficult conversations people had had. So by doing, putting all that together, we were able to, we kind of created a grid. So down one side, we had these stages of personal development and across we had these three, what we called action arenas. Um, and we were able to really to fill that in and uh, particularly in terms of what are the cognitive and emotional capacities that emerge at each um, stage of development and then how do they get applied in these in these action contexts um, so one of the uh, so one of the big questions that kind of came up as all this began to come together was what is it exactly that is developing as leaders go through these stages? Um, and sort of at a more detailed level, we, we identified eight cognitive and emotional capacities, and we were able to trace each of them as they develop through these stages and, and show how they're all interconnected with each other. But those eight capacities all had something in common. And what was it? It was like, that was the burning question for a couple of months. What, what is this? You know, we, we had a real sense of what it was, but didn't have a name for it. And long story short, the name that emerged was agility. That in fact, what, what people were getting better and better at as they went through is they were, they were, these stages as they were becoming more personally agile. And sort of particularly in terms of being able to deal with uh, rapidly changing situations and being able to deal with highly interdependent situations where they have to collaborate with other people. So, Bill, I'm actually very fascinated by the concept that you've linked uh, a leader's ability to be agile is linked directly to their personal development in there because so many people I think miss the boat on this and they come in especially in the early days of agile agile is actually very technical xp was about code check-ins and continuous integration I'm, I'm i'm generalizing for effect but in the very beginning era of agile we were focused more on tools and process even though we weren't focused on tools and process aka the agile manifesto yet you're looking at the individual and, and i think back to the, some of the old school um pre-agile works that stick out in my mind like tom demarco and some of those authors like people wear and things like that it is about people and it is about individuals growth and leadership so i i love how you've linked those together and do you you know you wrote this book about 10 years ago and i think the community now 10 years later is actually talking about leadership so do you feel that do you feel that we finally hit that point where people are understanding that people's personal development helps them with their leadership development and their agility well, I, th I think certainly the topic of uh, what is agile leadership has has really come to the fore, I think, starting several years ago. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my 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 take on it is that, I mean, agile scrum, let's just say take scrum, that it's it's a, um, you know, it's a methodology with a philosophy behind it. Um, it's it's a set of procedures and and. Um, you know, if it doesn't, if it doesn't have the flaw, if it's not connected with the philosophy and the mindset, then it, it, you know, I think probably what, from what I hear, most situations where agile doesn't work out that well is because it's become disconnected from that, 
that philosophy. So that's that's even an initial sense in which the personal level is important. Um, but but I think that um, in the early days, uh, my my take is that um, it was it was about these kind of structural solutions, and they're very powerful. You know, uh, when that philosophy was in place, very powerful. Um, and then when people began to naturally think about, well, okay, we've got to get, we've got to, we've got to create more hospitable organizations for Agile to, to, uh, be implemented in, right? So, um, we need to teach executives all about Agile, what it is, you know, that's, that's an important thing, but that's not necessarily telling them how to do things differently. Then we also have to kind of teach them how to. Uh, be more hands-off, let's say, and more empowering uh, of, of others. And so I think my impression is there are a lot of uh, courses and uh, workshops and so on to help managers, you know, learn what Agile is and learn kind of a basic stance toward um, allowing the, the methodology to flourish in their organization. So all that's great. Um, I think I think what's the missing piece, and I, I think that is um, – you know, because I think having having being an organization development person and not just a leadership development person, having a systems perspective, I believe that you know structural um, interventions and personal development interventions are both needed. Um, if if you have one without the other, you're you're going to be kind of jumping around on one leg. So, um, I think what's What's kind of being discovered, but I think still has a ways to go to being discovered, is what does it mean for a middle manager or a senior manager to be agile in a personal sense that's not simply about supporting a um, agile implementation at the lower levels of the organization? You know, for example, how how can I be more agile? And if I'm a middle manager, how can I be more agile in dealing with my peers, with my boss? Uh, if I'm on an executive team, you know, sure, there there's some things, there's probably some methods I can kind of steal from what software teams do and put them to practice. Uh, you know, I've seen, you know, like, let's, let's, let's uh, be clear about what our backlog is or, or whatever. Um, but I think those people who simply think that the way to create an agile executive team is to teach them these kinds of practices that are used um, by frontline teams is is limited. And so that's where I think that not just the the individual leadership development, but the the organization development pieces like. Uh, you know, what does it really mean to develop a team? And then with this stage development perspective, I think what this adds to the traditional OD approach is we can, we, we work with our clients to help them understand like a senior team, what level of agility is the team operating at? So, and, and just to, just to define that term uh, level of agility, what, what that means to me is, is if you have somebody who is, at a particular stage of personal development, and they have, and they are putting those mental and, and emotional capacities into action in their leadership, 
behaviorally, then then you can sort of say they're operating at a at a particular level of leadership agility. So, for example, um, you know, just one small difference between the first level of agility or the first stage that we really look at in in uh, organizations, what we call the expert um, stage or level of agility. That's a tactical orientation, not really strategic. You think of leadership as um, using your authority and your expertise, and people will follow you. But you don't—you're not very good at working with stakeholders and so on and so forth. And at the next level, which is the the achiever, uh, you have that strategic perspective. You look at things at at, at a sort of beginning systems level, and you have a, a sort of beginning ability to, to collaborate across uh, functions and so on. So um, those same characteristics we've been able to identify as, you know, is your team operating at the expert level or the achiever level or what we call the catalyst level, which is, um, you know, for leaders, we're finding that through the Leadership Agility 360 data we, we've gathered over the past seven years, say probably about 6% of leaders are fully capable of operating at this catalyst level, which is, you know, sort of highly collaborative, highly, uh, highly empowering, uh, bent on creating uh, organizational cultures that have those characteristics. And um, so very, very simpatico with agile philosophy, but there's a big gap between um, where most leaders are in terms of their personal development and what sort of comes naturally to them in terms of how they think and operate. And what I think it would mean for what, what's really needed for a, an organization to become agile. It points to kind of a, a huge gap that the agile movement is, is realizing these days with, um, you know, cause that's why scaling is such a hot topic, Right organizations are looking at how to take the patterns that work really well with teams and apply those across larger organizations. However, you get back to the lean concepts of reducing down complexity rather than increasing complexity. And, you know, there's some challenges there and especially those middle middle management folks that you're referring to find themselves wondering, you know, where do I fit in, in all this? Because, Things like Scrum don't have managers and, and so on. Yeah. I mean, what I believe is that there's a very, um, that middle managers can not only be empowering, but they can be empowered. Uh, and not just by the people above them in the organization, but by themselves. Um, but that takes developing sort of a, a new set of um, internal capacities and a new set of leadership skills. And, um, yeah, there's a very, really a very exciting role for them to play in the Agile organization. But yeah, I think my impression is that a lot of the time they're kind of just told, I mean, this is, I know this is an oversimplification, but it's sort of like, just stop doing what you're doing. And it's, so that doesn't really show them too much about, well, what would, what would I do instead? Why would that be in my interest? You know, what's exciting about that? What's, what's, how am I really contributing uh, to the, you know, cause I think, you know, their middle managers are there for a reason. You know, organizations need 
people operating in the middle. And, um, you know, if, if they're not, so I, so I just think, I think there's a, a, a sort of a need for a, a, a positive vision for middle and senior managers in an agile organization. And, um, yeah. And I, and I think another thing is there, there, there's a way to frame it that where everyone is winding up with, with a, more power in the positive sense of power. Um, it's not just that you have to give it away in order for Agile to work. Thinking about uh, that vision, and I, I think about one of, the, one of the questions we actually ask every guest because is the theme of the show is Agile Next, is where is Agile heading? And you, you have a great philosophy and you also have a great experience because as I said, you know, we just said on the show, a lot of your a lot of your thought process came well before the Agile movement. And then, of course, when the Agile movement came, it was naturally aligned with what you were doing. Um, so with that perspective on the past and, and what we were just were talking about with scaling and Agile leadership, what is your perspective on Agile in the future? I don't think uh, Agile is going away at all uh, or Scrum. I, I think that it's, I mean, for the foreseeable future, I think it is only going to become a bigger deal. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was just talking with a colleague who, you know, is an agile coach inside an organization and uh, has had, you know, a fair amount of experience in different companies. And he was talking about, about how he was using sort of agile principles and methods, not just sort of, you know, this was kind of beyond implementing the, the software team, the scrum with the software teams into um, just working with different groups in the organization that needed something <laughs> and found that various agile tools and methods were really useful. And he would sort of, you know, sit down with a particular group. And so it's like, well, what are, what are your needs? And then he would sort of start with something like it would might be a piece of agile, a uh, piece of agile methodology and teach them that and help them practice it and iterate through that. And then they were like, oh, that's cool. You have some, you have more. Oh yeah, we got more. So it, it reminded me a lot of uh, my days in, in uh, uh, you know, organization development consulting, and particularly in, in situations where I was uh, working with uh, companies over, you know, two or three years and would wind up kind of in, uh, moving through, through the organization in a somewhat similar way. So I, I don't know, they sort of gave me the sense that Agile is becoming like OD in that sense that it has um, it has it it has not only the ability to implement a, a particular like you know Scrum, but but that there are enough um, principles and methods that it can be used flexibly and in a very customized way with. Uh, a lot of different parts of the organization. And, you know, of course, we know that that's, that's a big part of what's happening right now is migrating out of software into all different parts of the organization. So, um, but I do think that that's, um, that is running up against this, this issue of leadership. And I think that um, the, when, I, when I went a couple of years ago to that <clears throat> Agile uh, think tank, people were talking about, you know, servant leadership. Servant leadership is kind of our model of how leaders should be. And, but we also got into some conversations that, um, 
well, you know, you, you probably know people who say they're servant leaders, but you actually look at how they behave and you go, hmm, interesting that they would yeah. see themselves as servant leaders. Um, and but also that it, it, it has a it has a tendency. And I think it's a little bit of stereotyping of the original work on on this, which came out quite a long time ago, um, that it is all about just um, giving over your power to 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 other people. And, um, you know, to a, to a point, that's a good thing. But um, anyway, in, during during those it was a two day sort of uh, open space uh, event. And um, there, there was a lot of interest in leadership agility as something that seemed more balanced, more robust, more fully developed as a leadership model. And, and, you know, people saying, wow, I think this really is, is what agile needs to move into the leadership space. Now, obviously that's not the only model that's, that is, or is going to be relevant for agile. But, um, I do think that the whole, this whole thing of, of getting clear about, uh, what does it mean for an individual middle or senior level manager to be agile in a personal sense, uh, but in the context of leading a team or uh, bringing about change in the organization? I mean, there's just, regardless of the change that you're trying to bring about, uh, there's, you know, according to this model, in my experience, there is more and less agile ways to do that. And, and inevitably, the more agile ways are more effective. One of the things I wanted back when I was talking about uh, agile being agility being the term that kind of emerged to describe what leaders were getting better and better at as they were developing. Um, the other term uh, is reflective action, and uh, which I believe is the essence of agility. Right? I mean, it's if you think about you know act, reflect, act, reflect that's couldn't be more central to scrum or, you know, the, the original models of, uh, or methods for agility, but at a personal level, it's the same thing. And, um, what, what I found was that as people develop their, their capacity for reflection evolves, uh, it becomes more robust. They begin uh, to be able to, to make more connections between things and have developed systems thinking and uh, it deepens. So they're looking not just at the, um, the business and organizational systems, but at the human system that underlies all of that, that becomes sort of a natural perspective when they look at organizations and, uh, their ability to, to reflect on things that are happening now rather than, you know, happened yesterday increases. So, um, I, so I think that's, that's really at the core to me of personal agility is, is refining that capacity for reflection and action and bringing, bringing what the insights from reflection into action is just as important as getting the insights from reflection. Kind of like keeping the focus while you're still zooming out on the, you know, keeping the focus all the way from, from the present situation, but reflecting on the whole environment and so on. Yeah. And this is how the, the four types of agility come in that, that you were referring to earlier. 
the context setting, stakeholder, creative, and self-leadership agility. So it's like it's a refinement on this notion of reflective action. It, it's the idea is that when you step back, the the larger perspective you get can be, for example, about the larger uh, organizational context that you're operating in and what's going on there and how's that relevant to what I'm doing here. That's another way to step back is to sort of step back into the question of who are the key stakeholders? Uh, let's say I'm trying to bring about an organizational change, uh, whether it be agile implementation or something else. Um, who are the key stakeholders and what is their perspective on my initiative? And it turns out that one, one of the most uh, central aspects of, of this stage development is the development in terms of your ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. And the more you develop, the more deeply you can appreciate that other perspective without losing your own perspective. Um, so that's stakeholder agility. And, and that also includes your ability to resolve differences with other people and, um, uh, which, which has to do with how, how well you can balance your assertiveness and your receptivity. And then the, um, another way to step back is, is, is a little bit more into the details of what you're trying to do. Um, and say you, you need to solve one or more problems for your initiative to be successful. Um, how can you, how can you uh, perceive those problems in such a way that you're, you're seeing the sort of the root causes and not just see, looking at it on the surface? And then how can you develop really creative solutions that don't just, um, you know, solve the immediate issue, but are looking at things like, well, why did this happen in the first place? How can we prevent this problem from happening in the future? Um, so as you, as you develop more, go through sort of deeper levels of agility, that those kinds of, uh, that, of ways of thinking come up in, in creative agility. And then self-leadership agility is, is what you might think it is, um, it's it's being able to reflect on your own effectiveness as a leader, you know, your your own strengths and limitations and and then to actively experiment. So that use the action reflection to uh, try out new behaviors, to reflect on how how that's going. Was it, you know, how how did that work and how could I have done that better and incorporating that into the next uh, the next action. So um that, that just is a way of kind of fleshing out in more concrete terms how reflective action can be applied in, in a leadership context. So, Bill, what does the future hold for you as we look forward to the uh, second half of 2016 and out into 2017? Yeah, that's a very good question. See, that that requires some self-leadership agility, I'm afraid. So <laughs> that's what we're all about here. And we know that that is the the least easily practiced of the four types. Of, well, here's what um, the things that are that are coming up are, um, you know, we already provide. Um, you know, you wanted me to talk a little bit about the leadership agility 360. Uh, so, you know, that's just a a sort of non-traditional 360 that's based on the framework I've been describing. And uh, it's rather than sort of a laundry list of uh, capacities or, or uh, competencies, 
it's uh, put into these uh, more specific contexts of leading change, leading teams and pivotal conversations. And uh, in addition to just good written feedback comments in each of those areas, which makes the feedback more specific than the usual general comments you get in a 360. Um, there's a, there's a way of, we're essentially describing these different stages and what they look like in behavior and having the feedback provider say, well, what's the most characteristic and how well do they do that? So it's, um, it's really, um, we have a great partner in creating this is Cambria, Cambria consulting, uh, that's been doing this kind of stuff for, you know, 25 years. And, uh, we all sort of sat down and said, well, what are all of our pet peeves with 360s? Let's see if we can address all of them when we design this instrument. So that was kind of fun. So we do provide, um, uh, to use the instrument, you have to be certified. And um, uh, we've been doing that for about seven years. We have over 600 coaches trained around the world in using this instrument. We're planning to ramp up the frequency and the, uh, we've been doing them all in Boston. Uh, we're going to start doing them in other locations next year. And I would say for those who are listening who are, you know, agile practitioners, um, we do sort of screen pe- the, the, the attendees in terms of uh, how much coaching uh, training and experience you have in the sense of being a so-called professional coach, um, which, you, you know, the training for that is usually like nine months as opposed to uh, going to a, a a workshop to learn to be an agile coach. Um, so usually the people who come from the agile world to these um, workshops are people who are already working with managers at the middle and the upper levels and or to have a more of an enterprise perspective um, and therefore are in a position to really use the 360 because it's not something you would use with team members, but it is something you would use with middle or upper, upper level managers. So. That's, um, that's that. And then we have um, leadership workshops in these three areas of leading change and leading teams and pivotal conversations. And we're, we're in the process of um, sorry, selectively certifying some people around the world to lead the uh, Leadership Agility Change Lab, which is our, our leading change program. And um, we're in the process of... Uh, of trying to create some more bite-sized offerings to allow people to sort of get their toes wet in some of our methodologies um, before they, you know, bite off something bigger, like, you know, getting certified in a two, to lead a two-day workshop. So um, we have a lot, we have a lot going on in a lot of different places, um, juggling a lot. I would really like to do more writing, um, um, just itching to do that. And, it's just, it's kind of a challenge with all the things that are being juggled, but um, I want to kind of do an update on, not a book, but, you know, s- like a good substantial white paper or white paper series that that kind of puts puts leadership agility a little bit more in the current context of all the different things that are happening uh, from the way that the environment is uh, you know, the crazy, the crazy, crazy environment that we're in, uh, to, um, uh, just, uh, how this relates to other approaches that are, 
that are starting to come forward that have to do with agility or stage development. So it sounds like you got some busy times ahead of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bill, thank you very much for taking the time and providing your insights on leadership, agility, and, and organizational development. It was a very uh, insightful conversation. Oh, great. I enjoyed talking with you guys. Next week on Agile Next, we have Stuart Young talking to us from the United Kingdom. A big Agile Next thank you to our sponsors, Fresco Capital and Applebrook Consulting. Visit Fresco Capital at frescocapital.com and Applebrook Consulting at apple-brook.com. We hope to see you next week on Agile Next. In the meantime, check out our website at agilenext.tv.